The Compliance Life details the journey to and in the role of a Chief Compliance Officer. How does one come to sit in the CCO chair? What are some of the skills a CCO needs to successfully navigate the compliance waters in any company? What are some of the top challenges CCOs have faced and how did they meet them? These questions and many others will be explored in this new podcast series. The Compliance Life is hosted by Tom Fox, and each month he'll present the story of one CCO through four episodes. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This month, my guest on The Compliance Life is Gabe Hidalgo. Gabe is a native New Yorker, and that in many ways has influenced his professional career leading to his sitting in the CCO chair. He is a first-generation American, went to law school. His early professional life was working as in-house counsel in an insurance company and an insurance defense. After 9-11, he moved into anti-money laundering, focusing on that part of the 9-11 story that he felt he could impact. He worked in a variety of financial institutions and the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Gabe has sat in the CCO chair in two separate banks, and he talks about that. And then he now works at K2 Integrity using his CCO experience to help clients create and implement best practices compliance programs. It's a little bit different journey than several of the CCOs we've talked to, but it's fascinating nonetheless. I know you'll enjoy this month on The Compliance Life featuring Gabe Hidalgo. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for our final episode in the month of June in this series of The Compliance Life. I'm visiting with Gabe Hidalgo, Managing Director at K2 Integrity. In this final episode, we take a look at Gabe's post-CCO career and, more, most interestingly, how he used his CCO experience now to consult with clients and a wide variety of other activities. So, Gabe, first of all, welcome back. Thanks a lot, Tom. Gabe, you ended our last podcast uh, by talking about a little bit about your regulatory experience and how you felt like that helped inform some of your uh, work as a CCO. Uh, now that you've sat in the CCO chair, coupled with your regulatory experience, how does that help you uh, now in your consulting role with the K2 Integrity, help uh, clients and and frame issues for clients going forward? I think it's, to be quite honest with you, I think I've kind of had a, a unique experience uh, in that I've, I've been the regulator across the table. I've been the CCO across the table. I've worked with many different clients uh, in many different aspects of compliance. I've been at a money service business, at banks, at a broker dealer, um, at many different types of institutions. That ability to see different perspectives, I think, has proven over time to help me uh, understand what clients are going through. Um, Because I've been a CCO and because I've had that opportunity, I know the troubles that they've had. I understand the issues that they're facing. It's not just a theory. I think. You know, when you talk to someone um, and you're looking for help, it's great if that person has experienced what you've experienced because they understand what they're what it is that you're looking for. Um, a lot of times, you know, you see uh, people who speak from a theoretical standpoint. They haven't gone through the exams. They haven't gone through 
what it takes to implement an exam, uh, you know, a, a program. They haven't gone through the ups and downs of what it's like on a day-to-day -day basis uh, to be part of a compliance team or even lead that compliance team. What they've done is they've read a bunch of regulations and laws, and they can theoretically craft together what they think, um, you know, may apply or what the regulators may may actually like based on other projects. I have practical experience, and I think a lot of people at my firm do too. And I think what that separates us is that we've been there, uh, and so. When I look across, as a consultant, when I look across the industry, uh, I can see what peers are doing to whoever my client is, and I can see what has been acceptable from a regulatory perspective, not only from my own experience, but also from my close ties to my friends who are still in the regulatory field. They let me know from time to time what they've seen. Now, uh, you know, is is that's a huge advantage because not only have I helped clients uh, design their programs, but I've also helped to give them advice in regards to things that they're currently contemplating, whether it's a new line of business, a new product or service offering. When you have the ability to look across the industry, when you have the ability to understand what the regulators have uh, on their minds as concerns, when you have the experience of actually being in that seat and have contemplated the same issues, that adds a lot to your credibility, adds a lot to your rationales. And to be frank, it gives you an edge. It gives you an edge, uh, not only with clients, but it gives you an edge with whoever it is that you're meeting when you wanna have these discussions. Uh, I've been very fortunate in my career. I've worked with a ton of really good people, um, but being in that CCO seat, being a regulator and working in industry, that's given me such a broad perspective that I think um, it helps when I'm helping to craft, whether it's responses to a regulatory inquiry, whether it's to help uh, my teammates uh, put together a compliance program for a client, whether it is for a remediation effort that we're, we're helping a client, all that experience comes to bear because I'm able to give our clients that experience and that insight that they probably would not have somewhere else. Gabe, one of the things that you emphasized in our prior episode about sitting in the CCO chair was that the buck stops with you. But you coupled that with uh, making clear that, that you really have to depend on your staff and you really have to lead that staff. And one of the things that you talked about was empathy. How does uh, a leader use empathy recognizing that the buck stops with the leader, but also recognizing in many ways you're only as, as talented as your staff is? I've been very fortunate in that um, I, in the various jobs that I've had, when I've had the opportunity to select staff and to interview, I've met many, many very qualified people, many good working people, very personable people who really want to do the right thing. Um, you have to understand that you're only as good as the staff you build uh, because no CCO is going to run every single aspect of the compliance program. You have to delegate some uh, some some items, some tasks, in order to make sure that you're hitting on all cylinders from a compliance perspective. The staff is really what's going to get you to the point where you can complete all the things that you need to from a regulatory perspective, as well as from a requirements perspective. Now, there's a difference between a best practices compliance program and a regulatory compliant compliance program. 
a best practices compliance program is proactive. You're constantly looking for things to improve your compliance program so that you're ahead of the curve and you're not, you know, trying to catch up when things, you know, go bad. A barely minimum regulatory compliance program is where you're constantly in fear. At least I can tell you from a CCO perspective, you would be constantly in fear of uh, something falling into a backlog state, something falling uh, by the wayside because you're just basically just trying to maintain the bare minimum from a compliance perspective. Your staff is part of that. The effective staffing process means you have to be involved in the interview of everyone that's going to be on your compliance team. That starts with the youngest analyst to the most senior person in your group. You have to make sure that they have an understanding of what's expected of them, as well as what they expect of you, uh, because those expectations go both ways. A CCO is not someone who should just sit there and let them do their work and then check in on them every three months. That's not effective at all. You have to constantly understand what's happening throughout the firm, throughout the company. You have to do work. You have to check in. You have to provide guidance. You have to make yourself available. Uh, you should like your staff. I think that's a big thing. Uh, and I've seen that from time to time where uh, certain executives may not like the staffs that they have. Uh, if you're doing the hiring and you're doing the selection of personnel, you should like the people you work with. Uh, part of that is, you know, understanding and having empathy. Staff are human beings too. They go through the ups and downs of life just like you do. You have to be understanding. They have things and commitments at home that sometimes may take a precedence over work. Part of having an effective compliance team is being able to cross-train the staff so that if someone has an emergency or something they need to tend to, someone else can pick up the slack. And you do that as a team. And the, the true heart of the team is really having each other's back. The best compliance teams that I ever worked for, that I ever were been part of, and the ones that I've established had that teamwork mentality. Uh, and that's really, that starts at the very top. If you as a CCO do, do not have the viewpoint that you are a team, then your team won't believe that either. And that means rolling up your sleeves and doing some work as well. Um, I think another thing too is uh, from when I say the buck stops with you is guess what everything from a compliance perspective as a CCO stops with you that's your compliance program you are the person responsible you're the one who goes up before the board to explain when something goes awry in that compliance program but you also guess what you take the kudos when the examiners come and they do the examination and they give you a clean bill of health so it goes both ways but you have to understand that Although it's a very senior position, uh, you have to understand that the work never stops. It's always coming at you. There is no breaks. There is no lull. Uh, you're, you know, the minute that the exam ends, the minute an audit ends, you are back into your business as usual mode. You're looking at the feedback that they've provided and you're trying to make the best program possible. In addition to that, you're always learning and trying to pick up new ideas on how you can make your program even better. Uh, I always take the best practices approach. I think that's the best approach to have when building a compliance program. And I think as long as you have that, then um, you know when you're when you're meeting with whether it's regulators, the board, stakeholders, auditors, uh, you have a great story to tell. And so you know part of that is convincing for more budget. Part of that is making the right selections for staffing, learning from your staffing mistakes, 
but also leveraging where you have great staff. Um, and again, I think it starts at the very top. If they see you working with them as opposed to just dictating what you want them to do, then I think that they will respect you and they will they will work harder for you. I've experienced that and it's been great. Gabe, unfortunately, we are now at the end of this series. It's been a fascinating journey as as I learned and, and one of the reasons I wanted to visit with you, your journey is very different than many other compliance practitioners. The um, AML uh, component of your compliance work, the 9-11 uh, tragedy, which really turned you towards compliance, the uh, cryptocurrency and other work that many compliance practitioners have not dealt with. But um, I was wondering if, if there was something you wanted to say to someone thinking about coming into compliance now uh, to encourage them, uh, what would you tell them? I would tell them, you know, it's a big responsibility. And although it's a great title and everything else, and, and there is a lot of work that needs to go into it, you need to really be prepared uh, from day one to take the reins and to make some difficult decisions. Typically, when an institution is hiring a chief compliance officer, unless they're a new institution, they're hiring you because something went wrong with the prior uh, stakeholder, with the prior um, officer. And so you're going to hit the ground running. There's going to be issues. There's going to be things that you're going to need to remediate. Um, the number one thing I would tell someone who is looking at this is you better have a plan uh, because you have to be organized. Um, it's not something that you can wing. Uh, you have to really be very, very organized. You have to really uh, make sure uh, that you understand what's at stake because, again, the buck stops with you. Uh, if you're willing to take that role, that's great. Uh, you know, I love someone who's super aggressive with their career, but just understand it's no, you know, it's no cakewalk. Even though I may be walking around with a smile on my face, it doesn't mean that I have 27 things that I need to attend to. So I would just hope that um, people who really want the job understand exactly what they're getting themselves into. Well, Gabe, I wanted to ask if any of our listeners wanted to uh catch up with you about any of the topics you've talked about, uh, what you've done in the past, or what your current uh, role is at K2 Integrity. How can they get in touch with you? Uh, they can visit our website, uh, k2integrity.com, or they can send me an email if they prefer. Uh, my email is ghid, as in David, a-l-g-o, at k2integrity.com. Gabe, this has been a great series. I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me, and I look forward to continuing the conversation in other arenas. All righty. Thank you so much, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening to this episode of The Compliance Life. I hope you will join me again next week where I take up another episode with Gabe Hidalgo in The Compliance Life. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. If you would like to be featured on The Compliance Life, please uh, give me an email at uh, tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, if you like this series, please give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, any review and rating would definitely help get the word out about the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.